in the studio with us, Adam Can in the flesh. Usually he used to be on the phone. Not only is he in the studio, he has a new job. Yeah. Well, he left us at Philly Soccer Page. Yeah, he's no longer at Philly Soccer Page. There's a huge void in my life. No longer at Philly Soccer Page. Adam, explain to us what you do. I am officially a staff writer for the Philadelphia Union Soccer Club, which you, you may have heard of, yes. may have discussed on this show once or twice yeah, from a secret bunker. Try not to. <laughs> and you're, uh, as always, specializing in the tactical end of You have a corner soccer. now. That's right. I have, I have a corner. corner. Yeah, That's yeah. right. It's it's somewhere on wherever the internet has corners. Right. Uh, oh, and I, I write there for PhiladelphiaUnion.com now um, after having... Written for a Philly soccer page for what? How long are we doing that, Mike? A long time. Nine, Nine years. A long time. Wow. Nine years. Um, so, and again, talking tactics is only you can. Uh, so there's a lot to talk about tactically. And I think the union are currently below the red line uh, playoff-wise, but they are making a push. They have three, count them, three road wins this year, which is more than they've had. Two in a row. Two in a row. That's right. Uh, more than they have, they've had in how long? Was how long? At least two years. <laughs> yeah. Last year they had one. they had they had, yeah one road win. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. That they've they've kind of found a way to f- get points on the road where in years past they haven't. From a from your perspective, from the tactical uh, 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 perch that you sit upon, wh- where where did those kind of three wins come from? Well, the first one was the Montreal win, right? And that was the Corey Burke yeah. uh, do a little bit of everything half where he oh, yeah, scored the a goal car, the, and then yeah. and got the red card. Yeah, right? and then yeah, Gordy Howe hat trick. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Intr- introduction to Corey Burke right. 101. Um, so that was the first one in the Chicago win, which was uh, on the road 4 3. The David Akam redemption, redemption song. Right. Yeah. Right. At, right after Bastian Schweinsteiger almost broke everyone's heart. Ugh. With a goal in a corner. And the best part about that calm goal, for sure, is the picture of Jim Curtin jumping in the background. That was great. Oh, man. That you was the most emotion it. I think I've ever seen from Jim on the sideline. I didn't even see it happen, but that was incredible the, to see. The gaffer could still leap. Yeah. The yeah. gaffer could still jump. He can still clear a ball out of the box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that that one and the last one over Houston were really yeah. interesting because, you know, much different setups because Chicago is such a weird weird doesn't even really cover it tactical team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're just a mess. They're all over the place. As we'll see again on August eighth. Right, right. I still go back to the the home game against Chicago, where they were playing oh, at least in the uh, first half, the man to man coverage with Schweinsteiger as a sweeper. Right. Uh, a formation like uh, we probably haven't seen since we played in high school. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, you saw you saw a version of it in the Concacaf Champions League from uh, Chivas, which they used against Toronto. Uh, Toronto. Yeah. Pretty effectively, and and. Toronto, for all their good movement, couldn't figure it out. Right, and and I think that's probably why Poundovich went with it because right. he, he had, had a, a bunch of midfielders th- that could run, but that was it. All right, so he had a bit of a light bulb moment and said, "I could try this," and didn't quite work. Yeah, a light bulb seems generous, but he had an idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let can we talk a little bit about the Houston game because it's a little bit more fresh in my mind than some of these games because we haven't done this in a long time. <laughs> I blame Greg. <laughs> um, uh, it's my, it is my fault. It's totally my fault. What did you think of that that situation tactically before Houston was reduced to ten men? Because I thought I thought Houston looked like a they would edge that game before they got reduced to ten men. 
I think it was it was fairly even in how the teams wanted to approach it because I think Houston has at home one of the better teams in MLS. That counterattack is just unbelievable. Yeah. And Minotas right now and Martinez are both playing very well. Martinez is sort of a hidden gem in the way he can move behind your midfield lines when they have the ball, and that allows him another route forward. But I, I agree with you that Houston looked like they were going to try and go get a second one before the red card. And the setup for that game was Houston pushing up front with four guys pressing and then the two deeper midfielders supporting it. And the Union were actually picking Houston up much deeper than they normally would, um, maybe just inside their own half, rather than pressing high up the pitch because they were tired but on the road. And that's something Jim Curtin actually talked about before the game is something they wanted to try and not really be able to go out and press Houston like they might if they would have been at home, but mm-hmm. instead sit back and absorb a little bit and then look to get into the gaps because Houston's not great at transition defense. Um, but when you have Kyoto out there and Elise, every turnover was just you know mayhem in a scramble. There was one I think McKenzie had in the second half that Elise almost finished, and Deutsch mm-hmm. Kalachi got oh, back. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, that was a great credit with run. a clearance. Yeah, yeah. Which I was surprised, but <laughs> but like that, they just hit you so quick. And I yeah. think after losing Martinez, uh, they just didn't have anyone to work it through the middle. So the only thing they had were those long diagonals. Yeah. And they, st- they were still dangerous too. I, you know, I think Houston uh, forced Andre into a couple of really good saves, even after they were down to 10 men. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a good team. Those are two of the best wingers. And when you, you talk about, you know, if you don't have a bunch of money, how do you get an attack? Whatever Houston did works because <laughs> Minotas has been, I think it's his third year in the league. And now he's finally coming into his own. Now that Kubo's gone, but Elise and, Kyoto both are just incredible players, and they're so hard to stop. And Kyoto, I've talked to a few people in the union as well, saying he's just one of the better crossers in the league. Mm. He can do it from from any situation, do it real quick. you got to be tight to him, and then he can go by you. Yeah. Um, I think that the other the interesting thing going on right now is the, the union at striker, um, where you, you, you basically have two guys that are switching back and forth uh, with Corey Burke and CJ Sapong at it seems like it might be Corey's job to lose now. Um, he scored in a couple of games, including against Houston, where I, I didn't think he played well at all. If uh, if you were following me on Twitter, I, I, I got to eat that one as I critis- <laughs> criti- criticized Corey Burke, and then he scored at least 45 seconds later. Um, so what, what do those two guys bring that are different from each other? I think with Burke, you get a ton of energy up front, a ton of energy moving off the, the back line. He's very good at sitting off that back shoulder. And anytime you put a ball through, he's going to go after it. I don't think he gives you the same level of hold-up play as Sapong when Sapong's on his game. And I think for the Union to challenge for a playoff spot, you need Sapong to get going. And I think that's been a theme I've heard consistently is you need Sapong to be going because you know that he has the ability to get on a streak. And you need one of those guys to keep going and keep scoring. And the big problem with Burke might be that he's had some discipline issues when he's been in there. He hasn't exactly been clean of the yellow and red cards. Um, and I think it was the Chicago start. He had something like five or six fouls in the first half, it might have been. And so you need to watch that. So you need, if you're going to go with him, you need CJ to be going as well. And so I think both those guys are going to keep getting minutes going forward. That would be my guess. I think it's such a two-edged sword with Burke, and I think you got into it there, that he brings that energy and and that those runs and and the ability to kind of peel off a defender and you know jump on the, that through ball, but it's also he, he you know he has that tendency to kind of 
go to extra little bit and that's where he gets in trouble with the discipline. So that energy is great, but it doesn't always serve him. And, uh, as, as tough a year as CJ has had, I think you do mention that you do lose that physicality that CJ can give you when he, when he's kind of on hitting on all cylinders where he'll just drag defenders around all game. And I think one of the things that CJ does that, that I probably haven't emphasized enough in the past is that he does know the system very well, having played in it a while and what the union want to do most of all when they're going forward is get those center backs into the middle or out of the way. So you have channels for Deutsch Cal to put the ball through. Right. And of the two, that's going to be more CJ's forte. And so I, I do think that one thing he brings consistently is opening those channels and what he hasn't been able to do this season is finish off those balls when they're put back in from the wingers. Because it's all about getting those wingers into space. And then you got to make that that run through the center. And we know that a confidence upon can do it. And we haven't seen him finishing him off this year. And to make a playoff run, I think I think he's got to start hitting all cylinders. I I don't know how to do it. Luckily it's you know not not something I have to deal in. I just describe it. <laughs> right. So sticking with those two for just one, one more question, uh, it was interesting against Houston that uh, they played together for the first time, I think, all season. Yeah, uh, they've, It's mostly been like-for-like subs, but CJ came on and played on the right wing for about 10 minutes before Corey went off. Um, do you think there's a chance we see a little bit more of that? I mean, it, it's not a secret that David Akam has struggled on the right side. Um, CJ has played plenty of, of wing play in MLS, most specifically playing with Kansas City before he came to, to Philadelphia. But even when he came to Philadelphia, you know, there, there's been moments when he's played on the wing. Is there is there a chance we see a little more of that? I'm not sure. That's not something I've I've asked yeah. Jim Curtin about specifically. I think that for a road game like that, where you're getting pressed high um, and you want to buy press something like that, he's a good option on the wing yeah. because of size and you don't have Chris Pontius anymore. Cause he's out winning every head ball for LA and finishing balls at the back post as a wing back. For whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that's, I think situationally it's something that you can use. Um, I think what you lose is the ability to get behind on both wings. And I think Ilsenio has such a special skill set that you're willing to sacrifice that. But even with Fabian Herbers this year, you saw that uh, a few times he would come into the middle early in the season and then after that, he didn't play as much because I think the goal is to get behind on the wings so mm-hmm. much that you really want that speed mm-hmm. and you want someone living on the shoulder of the defender. And when CJ's out wide, he's going to give you much more of a, a bit of hold-up play there so you can get the ball long and get it out of the back and get by a press. So if there's a team that does press really well, um, maybe Red Bulls or something like that, I, I wouldn't say you won't see it, but that is also something I haven't asked about directly, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to say you should or shouldn't or <laughs> that you will or won't. Um. Moving back on the field a little bit, talk about again from from your perspective, uh, kind of the emergence of uh, Bork Dutchgal, where he's really become the guy the team wanted him to be. And it took a little while. I mean, he missed camp, and his you know they weren't sure what level of fitness he was at in China, and that whole whole situation getting him over here. But he's really become who they need him to be. Can you just kind of talk about that that evolution? Yeah, and I, I think this is actually an interesting question to throw back at you guys too to see what you what you see in him that you like because I do think there's a lot of there are a lot of subtle elements of his game that stand out. But you also see that you know he's not the fastest guy, he's not the quickest, but the way he moves when he doesn't have the ball is is elite in MLS. Like he drifts 
away from defenders all the time. And he does it so consistently that defenders can have an eye on him for most of the game and then lose him. You saw in Houston, the only two balls he played into the box successfully were those two assists. And on both of them, what you see is right before he receives the ball, he drifts a few steps away and creates a little pocket for himself. And I think that is his elite skill, is finding that pocket. And then once he's in that pocket, he already knows where he's going to go with it next. And early in the season, you saw him get in those pockets. And I specifically remember, I think it might have been the San Jose game. He would get in those pockets, and then his next ball would be into a space where the other player was not. And you go, like, is he going to figure this out? Does he know where people are supposed to be? And what we've seen over the season is he started to get that rhythm. He started mm-hmm. to figure out where guys are going to be. I, I think some of that was a chemistry issue to start, too. It, it very much felt like that for the, the first three or four games, and maybe even longer than that, where he was running around with his an, hands out a lot going, I thought you were going to make that run. And yeah. then, you know, <laughs> Fafa Bacot is standing on the sideline going, I'm not making that run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that, that's, that's, that's something that's, that's the kind of thing that happens when you, you come to camp late, when... I, I think that it's it's a difficult thing to get on that that same page, but I, you see that I think I think he's gotten on that page. He's got nine assists now. Um, yeah, he's 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 shown himself to be a consistently strong creator, and I think you know I was writing for Philly Soccer Page at this time last year, and we were all sitting around saying, "Where is that consistent creator?" And that is that is what he's brought. Now the goals haven't necessarily flowed for the Union this year. They have a really low finishing percentage, but hopefully you hope that regresses to the mean over the rest of the rest of the season. And you know that's not something I I'll debate, but I'm sure you guys can have plenty of other people on who can. <laughs> but but I mean that's that's what you want is those chances to appear first, mm-hmm. and then you worry about finishing them. And last year those chances weren't coming, and this year he has done really well to create chances consistently, and not just chances, but the kind that get you in behind on the wings. And that is what the system is built to do. It's it's built to put the put the ball on the feet of those three center midfielders consistently over mm-hmm. and over. And he's allowed to make that long pass. Even if it's not connected most of the time, he can keep making it and he should not be afraid to keep making it. And that's sort of the thing that you get with an experienced guy like him is even though he misses it a few times or he doesn't connect it, he keeps putting that ball in. He says, this is where it's going to be. I'm not going to be afraid to keep putting this, this ball into this space and you need to start getting there. Yeah. I mean, I think he has that, element you want in your 10 that he can he kind of plays out that chess game in his head where he can like you said i could play this ball and i know that the next move can happen and i know where that next move can happen and he kind of has he has that vision he doesn't uh, if you want to compare him you know to to barnetta who's the last kind of out and out 10 this team had he's barnetta i think is a little different he was a little more of a frenetic player and a little more of an energy player uh, where he had those those skills that Dutchkel has, but he had that more that frenetic, more of that running. Where Dutchkel doesn't really have all that energy running, but he has that that vision of the field, and he has that feeling of I, I can you know where everybody is on the chessboard, and that, that, that's that's always interesting to see. And he has the he has a passing skill, and he's uh, you know he's got the five goals, and he's not afraid to shoot, he's not afraid, and and he's he's a pass first guy, but I think he has that mentality is, you know, okay, the pass isn't on, but a shot is, and I can square up and I can take a shot where he, you know, it's almost like a quarterback. He's not checking down to the third pass. He'll maybe check down to the second pass, but there's the shots there. He's taking that shot. Yeah. And I, I think one, one thing that has stood out for him over the past few games is he's been in a few situations where he's mostly from the right. He's been the late runner into the box and he's gotten that ball in from the right. 
and he's either put his shot cl- too close to the goalie and it's been saved, or he's put it over. Mm-hmm. But those are chances that you expect a guy like him to put on goal and to keep finishing. And so I think that over time, if he's in that position, you're going to see him finish that ball, or you're going to see him, at least if he keeps arriving there, you're going to see goals come. Plus he'll take a shot from distance, which has always been my frustration with the team. They've never had enough guys that were willing to kind of crank from outside the box, and he has kind of the accuracy to do it. He has the ability to put it on frame, where you can force a keeper into, into a save. And and the other thing he does that that's really big in the offensive half is he allows you to be a, be a possession team in a mm-hmm. way that you couldn't before. And I think if you looked across the union organization and said, "What's the what do you think is the best form of defense?" It is their possession game. Like from the academy up, that's what you hear is when you have the ball, you can't get scored on. Mm-hmm. And so allowing the team to possess the ball and create triangles further up the pitch than they could in the past is one of his better qualities because he's always popping up and always helping out. And that's definitely something that has changed the way the, the first team is able to play this and year. And you see at the lower levels. And having a player like that, they missed because that was Vincent Nagara's skill was to be, he was a point on every triangle. You know, he was the guy that, you know, he was an outlet for everybody. And, you know, he was a deeper player and he was more of the I eight. I that guy. Yeah, seriously. But he, he was the, he was always an outlet guy. And, and they, you know, and that's not Harrison's uh, Harris's game. Harris's you know, at that age, he's a different type of player. He wants to, you know, get the ball, you know, hit longer passes and kind of do that. And he doesn't, you know, he's kind of a more languid player, if you will. You know, just kind of moving around the field a little, little more deliberately than, than Vincent would. So you miss that. So, yeah, it, it's good that they – he could kind of combine that with the, with at the 10 spot. Yeah, I, I think – with the midfield you have right now, I think the Orlando Open Cup game first half was probably one of the best halves mm-hmm. that Mayfield has played when they spaced out and they were moving the ball around well and Orlando just couldn't keep up. And that's the type of thing you hope to see more of going forward. And obviously it hasn't been perfect every game. Right. But you see, I think, and I was writing this at Philly Soccer Page before I made the switch to, to be on the inside, that, <laughs> that I think you see this year for the first time that that – uh, identity consistently game after game, week after week, even if the goals haven't come, you see that the identity is there. And that identity is something that they have really needed to develop. And it's something I think Ernie Stewart uh, said he would bring. And I think you can argue now that you're starting to see the fruit of it. I, I think one of the things that really stands out for me this year is the fact that they are so much better in possession. I think it was it was very rare over the the previous two seasons to this one for the union to have the percentage of possession and to outpass the other team. And I think it's been pretty rare this year where they've not had the percentage of the possession and outpass the other team. What has been the huge difference in just in, in building those numbers? A big part of it, I think from, from finally being at the point now where, you know, I spend like an hour of practice each day is that they have had the time to develop and understand where they want to be. And I think a lot of it is just learning where you want to be at any given time, how to open up when Harris needs to drop back so you can keep the ball in the build-up phase and not go long. And you also have guys in back now in Mark McKenzie, in Keegan Rosenberry, um, who can possess the ball. And Ray Gaddis has actually been very good this year at holding the ball, shaking off his marker, playing short pass. So I think a lot of it is just learning the system, and finally getting used to the way that you want to play. And I say that because I've also, you can say, I've had the, the benefit of or 
you know, sometimes it feels good, sometimes it feels bad of having to go to academy games. And you see at every level that that is how they want to play and that the academy kids do it very consistently. The the good ones do it really well. And I guess it takes longer in the first team than I would have thought from the outside, but seeing practice every day, that is what they work on. That exact thing is where to be, how to move without the ball so that you create those triangles and keep possessing it. Um, I, I did an interview with Ernie Stewart the other day, and that's one of the things he talked about was um, developing that consistency from the bottom up. And I think it's finally getting there at the first team level that we see the benefits of it. Um, but obviously, I mean, you look at the place in the standings and it's not perfect yet. Talk about another player that's kind of become the guy we wanted him to be. A lot of people wanted him to be is uh, Ali Bedoya. He's probably playing his best soccer as a union player this season. Um, do you think? And we talked. We asked him about. it. I think we talked to him about it. That you know, having a guy like Dutch Kell around has just given him that freedom to kind of be who he is. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I think another thing, and this is something I was I was probably skeptical on early on, is that. The union have leaned into that right-sidedness. Like at this point, any team in the league is going to say, "What do you think the union are going to do?" It's going to be like, "I think they're going to go up the right with everything that they have." <laughs> and and Ali Bedoya is great at that. I mean, he the thing you see him do so often is disappear from the midfield and pop up in the back line somewhere where you don't expect it. And that sort of ability to read the game and be a step ahead, he needs freedom to do that. He can't be constantly doing recovery sprints. And so I think the possession game has helped him to to be more effective player. Mm-hmm. And um, there's also uh, the American Soccer Analysis guys talked about him having an incredible passing season. Like his expected passing numbers, he's exceeding them as much as any midfielder in the league. And I don't have an explanation for that. Um, maybe he's picking good passes. Maybe he's just hitting them really cleanly right now. But I think that that helps you, uh, you know, be able to possess the ball better and put yourself in good positions and uh, be a more effective part of the offense and the defense. And I think also one of the things that we've talked about on the podcast before is in the past, there were some issues with him and Harris Madunian uh, switching and covering mm-hmm. the middle. And I think they've been, they've been pretty good at that this season. I think, well, we've talked a lot about midfielders. We talked a little bit about strikers. Let's talk a little bit about defenders. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I think Jim, Jim said this after, I think it was the Orlando game. Maybe it was the Chicago game that Mark McKenzie and Austin Trusty are playing beyond their years, and I think that's been pretty obvious. I think that they've been a, a really solid center back tandem, and I think that we're all shocked that the the Union are putting two rookies out that are as good as they are. Um, what are they adding to the mix that that makes this so easy? I think that one of the things is those guys work as hard as anyone. Like I see them after practice all the time just hitting those long balls, trying to ping them, trying to work on their passing. And I think number one thing, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'll openly say I'm in the tank for Mark McKenzie. Guys, <laughs> like I, I, I love his, that he will pass out of the back even after a high-profile mistake. Like he'll make a mistake that leads to a penalty or a goal, and the next play he'll be right back trying to shoot balls up the middle. And I think that is so fundamental to what the union want to do, that having a guy that's willing to do that and has the ability to do it on his day is just really improves what you're able to do in terms of possession and attack. 
Um, and Trusty is uh, is an incredible uh, just athlete right now. Mm-hmm. And when he is on his game, he can play. Uh, he's a, as a left footed left center back. He can play curdling outside balls to the left fullback, which give you more space to get around the defense. And that's actually a small thing that uh, I know the coaches have mentioned before that he can do that you can't do when you're playing with the right footed center back, which uh, we had Gooch back there last year. Yeah. And and so I think those little things and also having two guys who have played in the system for a few years now and you know both spent time with Brendan Burke, who's a really good coach uh, at Bethlehem Steel, which we should talk a little bit of Steel because yeah. their game on Sunday yeah. was a lot of fun. <laughs> but I, th- I think what they do is they just bring the qualities that fit the system better than you've had in the past. And, you know, you're, you're going to see mistakes, and I, I put them in my write-ups just to, to make sure I'm documenting them. But then what you see is after those mistakes, you don't see a change in how they play. And to me, that's the big thing that makes them, that makes it truthful to say they're playing beyond their years, is when they make the mistakes, they don't cave and they don't start going long. They keep playing the same way they're supposed to be playing. Um, and they also have played together since they were, you know, little kids, for the extent that they were ever little kids, because if you look at old pictures of them, they're still both giants. Right? <laughs> like they're still both huge. Um, but I, I think that's a big thing as well, is they, they've played together a long time. Um, they they listen to Badunian when he tells them what to do, which he does forcefully quite often. <laughs> and, and I think I think that helps. Yeah. Well, let's, well, let's talk Bethlehem. Unless do you, yeah. do you have another union question? Yeah, I, I, let's, I mean, let's, I, I, don't, I, I will admit that I don't I don't, don't watch a lot of Bethlehem Steel. Yeah, we don't talk enough, and and you know we're seeing some of the fruits of what Bethlehem sure. does. I mean, Fontana who, who got time with them, he's you know with the senior team not playing as as much as you know I would like to see him personally, but it's, it's some guys would like to see him, and you know and Trusty, and all, you know you're seeing kind of the fruits of the steel happen on on the field. Yeah, yeah. And who 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 else should we be getting excited about down in Bethlehem? That's that is probably that's probably my favorite part of this job is that you know, I, I have to watch Bethlehem in the Academy now. And at first you go like, Oh man, I, I gotta watch more a little more soccer. And then some of these games you see guys that stand out and it's like Selmir Mischik who made the bench for the Frankfurt game. <laughs> I've seen that kid play at the U fifteen level now and he he's ridiculous. Like it, it's gonna be so much fun to see if he can fulfill his potential at the next level. And there's a guy for Steel right now, uh, Ben Ofiemu, who I think is only 16. And you would never think he was 16. He is monster size. He's so big. And to see if he can fulfill the potential that he has. But for Steel on Sunday um, against Atlanta, the the kid to watch was Brennan Aronson. And if you guys haven't seen him, he's, he's one of the most fun prospects mm-hmm. I've seen play. He played at the 10, and he was good in the first half. They pressed Atlanta really high and tried to disrupt their buildups, and they did really well initially. And he was a good part of that. He knew where to be. He pressed well. He joined in. But the second half when Atlanta had to push for the game because they were down one, Aronson tore them apart. Like, Aronson tore them apart. Um, the union put in uh, Ferris, who's the, the 18-year-old striker mm-hmm. that they recently signed from Cameroon, and the two of them just, just ate Atlanta 2 alive. And Atlanta 2 is not a great team by any, by any stretch of the imagination. In USL, they're not anywhere near the top. But man, he tore him apart. It was it was a lot of fun. It was you know as as just like a soccer fan to see a kid do that. He had a goal and assist. Just he was when he won the ball, he was immediately looking forward. Played balls just behind the line. Could have had two or three more assists. It was it was a lot of fun. Wow. Uh, so who's yeah? 
you mentioned Ferris. He's the uh, kid that you signed from Cameron. What what qualities are you watching that game? Or I mean, what 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 do you think attracted the organization to him? I know that uh, Brendan Burke is really high on him. Um, he he's young, and I think one way to think about it is if you put him in like a U nineteens right now, mm-hmm. he would he would just bulldoze everybody. He would just bulldoze everyone. He's quick. Um, he plays off the shoulder of the defender. That's his game. Right. Um, so he's really raw still. But the goal he scored yesterday was a left-footed half volley that he ripped so hard the goalie barely even moved. <laughs> I mean, he's got tons of power. His assist to uh, Aronson on Aronson's goal, he pretty much just chased the ball into the corner right after he had scored, bullied the defender off as if he wasn't even there, like just shook him off, and then sent the ball back for Aronson. And so I think those are the qualities you see. It's just a lot of raw power and a mm-hmm. lot, ta- a lot of raw talent, and still being only eighteen. Um, and he's very ambitious. I, I interviewed him after his one of his first practices with the Steel, and I asked him, you know, what he wanted to, who he, who he thought he was like, and he says Latin, <laughs> which, which tells you a lot. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah, and I asked him about his goals, and he said to score fifteen goals for Steel, which I, I forget how many games Steel had left at that point, but that's that would have been as Latin like mm-hmm. achievement. Um, so, so he's, I think he's a lot of fun and I think he's, he's a level above most 18 year olds, whether he can fulfill that potential, I think is just sort of a, a wait and see, see if he picks up the system and, and right. does what he needs to do. Interesting. I, th- I think, well, do you have another Bethlehem question? Cause I was going to, I was going to go on. Go on, Michael. Uh, I think just because we have you here and we get to talk tactics and you watch a ton of soccer, what else is going on in MLS? That's, that's really interesting right now. Well, Portland, the next game, yeah. Portland hasn't lost since, what, the first four or five games of the season. But only one of those wins has been by more than one goal. It was like way back in maybe April. Mm-hmm. And they are playing pretty much perfect bunker and break soccer. Like Valeri and Blanco and Armenteros are so good that they can just all sit back and defend their box, and and that's it. So tactically, it's it's not the beautiful game that you might want to see. But they're doing it so well that you, you just sort of clap and nod your head and go, all right, I guess that's what you're doing now. Um, it's winning you games, very, so keep on doing it. Very um, very Mourinho-Chelsea-esque in, in, it, in yeah. that. Just efficiently kill a game off. Yeah. You know, oh, get a we goal. have Arjun Robin? Great. Let's, let's, <laughs> everyone else can play defense then. Right. We'll be fine. Right. And just hold the ball and just smother a game. Yeah. I mean, that's – and I'm – don't think it's great to watch, but it's pretty interesting that they haven't lost in so long. Is it, is it going to be another game similar to Houston where you think that they're willing to concede a little possession to try to catch Philadelphia out on the break? Yeah, I, I do, except they're going to be far more organized than, than Houston was. I mean, the, their ability to, to close off the middle is is incredible. And so it's not going to be a pretty game by any stretch. But... um especially since the Union are going to have after that the U.S. Open Cup midweek and then yeah. a huge game against New England the yeah. next weekend. Yep. And New England's a team that that just presses like crazy. Um, Kellen Rowe can't get in the side, which is a little strange. But they're just going to they're gonna press press whatever body part you want to insert off. <laughs> um, the, I mean, they're going to do it win, or, you know, win, lose, or draw. It's, it's their tactic. So it's interesting to watch how different teams respond to them. Cause you can just go long over the press. If you want, you can try and pass through it. Um, union think that they can possess against anyone. So they're probably at first, at least going to try and pass through it. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see how, uh, how they handle it. Cause Brad Friedel has been pretty 
inflexible with that with that pressing. Where is MLS tactically right now? Because you know we we see you see in every sport it's like kind of an ebb and flow of you know teams starts doing something, other teams start copying it, and it kind of it's like a copy of a copy of a copy, and then yeah. and then it kind of starts all over again. Somebody tries something, and where in relation, not talent level, but tactically and like kind of idea what. Ideas wise, where is MLS right now? Can say compared to Premier League or compared to Bundesliga? Like, what what are they? Right. Yeah, that's a that's a difficult one. I, I think <laughs> I think MLS is a, a bit of a a bit of a muddle because yeah. it's you get ideas from all over the place. Like you have LA bringing back Siki Schmidt mm-hmm. to to basically say, all right, can can we defend enough to attack with these right. five guys in a very extreme way? Um, and and so I think a lot of MLS tactics still revolve around, okay, we, we were able to acquire this player who is a game changer. What tactics best allow us to fit around mm-hmm. him or a few guys? And then you do have a few coaches coming in who are going to say, this is my very set way of playing, and we are going to either the players are either going to play that way or they won't. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with pressure and how you press. I think MLS is probably similar to um, – either maybe not Germany right now, but Germany a couple of years ago in that uh, a lot of teams want to want to press a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then those that don't are, are adopting ways to um, play very defensive against that press and to um, sit back more. And I think more MLS teams are uh, finding ways to win the ball back high up the pitch than they have in the past. And uh, it's always interesting to see how everyone responds to that. Cause in the premier league, when that started happening, you saw teams try to bunker against Liverpool. Right. Um, you see different ways that uh, Man City has tried to adjust to beat that that bunker, which mostly involves playing uh, out to the wing and then getting runners through the channel so that you pull players out of the middle and then cut the ball back behind a retreating defense. And you see a few MLS teams starting to come up with, with ways to break the bunker so that everyone has to play a bit of soccer. Um, but, you, but what you see is like these personalities that you don't know if they can continue. Like Jesse Marsh built... Red Bull in a very specific way of playing. And to what extent can Chris Armas keep them playing that way? Can you actually build up a style that exists beyond one coach? And, yeah. you know, uh, you'll see the same questions at NYC where they have become a bit more flexible now since Vieira left, but you don't know if they are going to uh, install a new identity that still works. And same at Columbus, you know, if Burhalter leaves, can they keep their identity, which is a tactically flexible identity with a few principles that are totally unchanging. All right. Interesting. Uh, so we wrap it up on that. Yeah. yeah. Unless you want to tell us about the whole study this weekend, uh, <laughs> which concert do you want to hear? about? <laughs> no, they, in, in Asbury park, they were, they were pretty good. It was a weird venue though, man. It was a yeah, weird urban Asbury lanes. Um, oh yeah. They did reopen that. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it was, it was cool. <laughs> But it, it was a weird venue, and it felt like a yeah. weird venue. It felt like a weird crowd. They put on a great show. Yeah. Um, a lot of energy. Japan Droids opened, mm. and uh, they fun. did forty minutes of you know break your face rock, right. which uh, which is cool to have someone do that. They're playing a bunch of shows. Uh, Putin's saddle. This was their this is their last. Right. This is their last show in like a one hundred and seventy show tour. They said, right. "Wow!" Um, so they've That's been on the road for for a long time. Uh, but it was good. They they played a lot a lot of the the hits and. Closed off with man, they <laughs> just closed off with a few that hit me right in the heart. Uh, Patrick Stickles from um, Titus Andronicus from Titus Andronicus nice. came and sang a 
or screamed Catelyn the Creeping Yes, yeah, I saw the video on the, on the Twitter. Yeah, that was, that was phenomenal. And he was his 33rd birthday, so for Stevie Nicks, he, uh, he got to do oh, nice. 33 forever. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Great. So, you guys want to talk about the, the upcoming games at all? No. Wanna, no, just the whole just, city. Just to Chicago again? Yeah, <laughs> Chicago is going to seem tired. Um, <laughs> That's uh, my whole city transition. There nice. you go. Um, yeah, let's talk about the cup real quick before we wrap this up because they have such a, I mean, a clear path to the final. They could be in another final. Yeah. They what? wish they cannot host. Yeah. They yeah. cannot host the final. It might be, it might be better. I think there's, there's, there's a bitter taste in, in the ghost of they, finals past. Yeah. Those, those it's, two. It's tough. Man. <laughs> I, 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 I have, co- I've covered, I don't know, probably 150 union games at least since I started doing this, the, the cup final loss after Kansas city. I was that was the hardest one. When when I interviewed Sebastian Latou for his uh you know Sebastian Latou Ring of Honor night, uh he he talked openly about almost anything and then I had brought that up and I've I don't know if I've ever seen a man's face drop uh, so quickly. Like hmm. he, it just clearly still was something that was really close to him. And, and I felt yeah, bad bringing it up and I was like, Wait, that's my job. Yeah, and he's uh, the uh you know, the Modern score, modern yeah. leading score in the Open Cup, and yeah, yeah, you know, I think he he did have one with Seattle. He did, did get a win. Yeah, yeah, he, he did. did. Yeah, so he get a cup with them. But so, does the Union play differently in the Open Cup? I think they play. I think they I play think like they themselves, and that's why they do well in the Open Cup because I think other teams try to change. Yeah, yeah, I think they play hmm. pretty freely. I mean, the, there were a few changes for New York when they beat New York, um, and the Union still played really well. And those were nice goals. That second goal was phenomenal. yeah. Um, I think Orlando was, you know, just looked completely out of sorts, and the Union that first half just tore them apart. Yeah, I, I think that they were unlucky, probably to score three or four in the first half. With Chicago coming back through, they've seen Chicago twice now, and it's it's been it's been a little different each time. Yeah. I, I, do you think we'll see that Chicago style that we saw that first game, which was kind of weird? God, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Like it, it was interesting to watch, but I, I don't want to see that again. I, I mean, it's it's. If you're talking about if you're, if you're a Union yeah. fan, I don't think you would mind it though. The Union no, tore yeah. it apart. Yeah, if it's just about wins and losses, then yeah, take you'll take that any day because that's a bunch of that's a bunch of guys who are on the field to play defense and to, to track for Deutsch call wherever he goes and to stay in his pocket. And it's hard to create offense from that. It's really hard to create offense, and Chicago has seen that. Like what they have to do is win the ball back, pass it around until Schweinsteiger gets it, and then hope that he can play the perfect ball to Alan Gordon or something like that. <laughs> um, but I think, I think what you see is like a modified version of that where, because Nikolic can't, can't play that kind of defense yeah. and he's too good of a score to leave off. Yeah. Um, so I think you'll see a modified version of that where they still try and stay really tight. Um, and then they just try and try and pound you on the counter. Um, the union should be the better team. I think it'll be interesting to see what squads get put out the weekend before because Chicago travels to Salt Lake and the union are in Portland. Mm. So those are some, those are some trips um, that, uh, when you're going to the the other conference, you wonder how how much are they going to put stock in those when you got a semifinal coming up and a chance at a yeah, final. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting yeah. to see that lineup on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, so on that, I think we'll wrap it up. We'll do a quick prediction. You don't have to do this, Adam. I know so. you can't go against the can't go against your bosses. So. I predict good things. <laughs> uh, so Michael. Uh, uh. Away to Portland. Way to Portland with, with the uh, semifinal staring at you at home against Chicago. I, I, I think you try to go out, get out of there without any injuries. 
Yeah, I think that would that would be nice. I, I can't I can't I can't say that the union are going to get pick up points in Portland. It's a really hard thing to do. It is, and, <laughs> and Portland it, hasn't lost in a really long time. So I, I'm going to say one nothing Portland. Let's go with that. I, th- I think that's real. I think one nothing Portland gets their goal and everybody kind of goes home. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think if you want to do the the semifinal, I think the union go through three one. I think they're better than Chicago. Three I'd say two two nil. Uh, three one. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they they, they kind of. I think Chicago. I think it's like two nothing. Chicago gets one to make it interesting. I think Union ice it. I think, I think we, would, we would take that. I think yeah. I think and it's another final. And uh, I think you'd much rather go to Houston, <laughs> Los Angeles. You do not uh, want to go to LA. Right I, want, now. I want. I want. I want no parts of that. I, I mean, I do. I actually, I would love to see the yeah, LAFC yeah. stadium. I personally want to. That is I the first. Like I, 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 yeah, I saw that, Peter Andrews a couple weeks ago after he went. And he said it was amazing. That yeah. is the first MLS stadium I've seen on television where I said. I have to go to that yeah. stadium. What, what about Audi Field, guys? You don't want to. You don't want to duck, get duck falling, brained middle? by it. I do want to see it. I want to see it. I mean, just because I've I've, I've 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 been to DC before and yeah. it was terrible. <laughs> it was it was all of the things that you thought it was. I'd, I'm interested to see what Audi Field looks like. I'm, I'm hoping yeah. we can make a Wednesday night road trip. Some, somebody Marie. should tighten up the screws on a few things there, but you know, just, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Adam, it is absolutely great to have you in the flesh for the first time in a long time in yeah. the studio. Uh, I appreciate you bringing me back. It's thanks even, for, even though I've I've switched sides of the fence. Uh, I appreciate you bringing me back. Whatever, uh, <laughs> but now you know. Good luck in the whole thing that you're doing over there. I want to thank you so much, and sorry for the uh, long absence. I don't think it's going to be quite that long again. Hopefully, I hope not. I listen to the show. I appreciate it, and uh, we will catch everybody soon.